Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you all that are here for listening to the action step last week. You did a very good job of returning to church the week following Easter. We are glad to have you, uh, whether this is your first time with us or you have been uh, with us for quite some time. We're always glad you've chosen to spend part of your Sunday morning here at the Vista in worship. Uh, today we are uh, wrapping up our, our brief series on, on Easter. Uh, it started several weeks ago. Um, we looked at the triumphal entry, uh, the events leading up to the Passion Week, the last week of the life of Jesus. Um, and then, you know, last week we got to remember and celebrate the resurrection, right? The fact that Jesus is no longer in the grave. We very much serve a risen Lord. And so we got to, to read about that last week. Um, and then today we're going to look at um, what I believe are some of the most important verses in all of Scripture. It is literally the words of Jesus um, to his followers right before he ascends back to the Father, okay? So the last things he's going to sort of impart, he's going to give his followers their, their marching orders, if you will. He's going to tell them, this is what you are to be about while you're here on earth, okay? Jesus has accomplished his mission on earth, which was ultimately to come and to die on a cross, and then three days later, again, rise from the grave, and then now he's going to say for the church, for the followers, this is what you're to do. This is your mission on earth. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew 28, we're going to look at a text of Scripture, very familiar text. It's known as the Great Commission, okay? The Great Commission. Maybe you're familiar with it. You've heard it before. We're going to kind of walk through it in, in some detail uh, this morning. Um, I would remind you, uh, again, wrapping that series up today, but starting next week, I hope you'll be back, Austin, our other lead pastor, through the month of May, um, we're launching into a new series next week called Good News for, An for, for Anxious Christians, okay? And so during this series, we're going to talk about some of the common sort of misunderstandings about our faith, and some of those misunderstandings can lead to unnecessary anxiety um, in the life of believers. And so I think that you will find this series through May to be very life-giving and freeing for you. So again, I hope you'll make it back beginning next week um, as we look at good news for anxious Christians. Matthew 28, um, this text, again, is sort of the climax of the book of Matthew, all right? And so uh, if you've been with us for quite some time, what you'll realize is we've actually been in Matthew's gospel throughout several series, all the way back to Advent. So Advent, as we remembered the birth of Christ, we were in Matthew's gospel. Um, and then throughout the This is Water series that we started off the new year in, there were several of those sermons that were again um, in the book of Matthew. All of the conflict series, so for seven weeks in the conflict series, every sermon was out of Matthew's gospel. And then all of our Easter series has been through uh, the lens again of, of Matthew, okay? So we didn't, call, uh, we didn't call it like a walk through the book of Matthew, but essentially that's where we've been ever since December, um, we've been uh, looking at Matthew's, Matthew's gospel. I know a few of our men's Bible studies that meet on Friday morning and Tuesday afternoon, they also have been, they're walking through the gospel of Matthew. And so in many ways, what we're going to look at today is the purpose and the reason that Matthew wrote his gospel, okay? He wanted to show us that Jesus is indeed king. He is king. He is Lord. He is sovereign. He is the one that the prophets wrote about. He fulfilled all of the prophecies about him. And now he's going to say, this is kind of the big idea. This is what he wants the followers to know, all right? Uh, again, this text known as the Great Commission. So here's, here's what it says. We'll begin in verse 16. 
It says, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. You might remember last week, the angel shows up at the tomb, tells the ladies, go tell my disciples, tell them to meet me in Galilee, okay? Then, if you remember, Jesus shows up, he shows up to the women on their way to tell the disciples, and again, he says, go tell my disciples to meet me in Galilee, okay? And so this is the gathering that Jesus was talking about. Uh, uh, Also, the events of this uh, text, they happen probably three to four weeks after the resurrection, all right? It's not like the next day. Um, Galilee was up in the north. You had Samaria kind of in the middle, and then you had Judea down in the south, okay? He was crucified and resurrected down in the south. So this is three to four weeks after the resurrection. Uh, Jesus has made a few different resurrection appearances. The disciples have had time to sort of make their way back up to the north. Most of them were from Galilee, and uh, Jesus meets them there on a mountainside to, uh, to talk to them in Galilee. Verse 17 says, and when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. I love that. I love this verse, right? Austin's actually going to sort of camp out, spend a little bit more time on this verse next week. But I love the fact that Matthew, he doesn't sugarcoat anything, right? He doesn't like say they all just believe wholeheartedly. They all worship. Like he literally includes the fact that while they believed there was a little bit of skepticism and doubt right there, right? There's, there's a little bit of that lingering. And, and there's, I love this verse because I hope that you find this verse a little bit free, okay? Because I know some of you, if you have some skepticism and some doubt, you've probably been told, at least at, at times in your life, like, you should just have faith, right? You shouldn't doubt God. And I'm just reminded that um, the disciples at times doubted, right? If you have some skepticism and doubt, it doesn't nullify your faith, Okay? And again, Austin's going to talk about that next week, but um, this is just a very real part of Scripture that I love. It also reminds me, for others that want to pull the miracle card, you know what I mean by pull the miracle card? There's people that go, well, if I could just see what the disciples saw, like if I could just see a miracle like they did, then I would really, man, my faith would be solid, it would be strong, then I would kind of go from like JV level Christian to like varsity level Christian, you know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, man, if I could see Jesus walk on water, turn water into wine, that was a cool trick. I'd like to see that. If I could see Jesus feed 5,000, maybe cast out a demon or two and heal some people, or maybe, I don't know, see him dead and then see him alive again, then I would have just unbelievable faith. And I always want to go, not necessarily, right? Like, don't be too quick to pull the miracle cart. There's something in the human heart that is often prone to sort of skepticism and doubt, prone to wonder, right, as the old hymn says. And so... Um, This is just a really good verse, I think, that reminds us of those things. Here we go. Here's the commission beginning in verse 18. Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Okay, so Jesus is saying, I'm in complete control. I'm completely sovereign. God the Father has given me all authority. So these these marching orders come from the top, right? Come from the top. Here, Here we go. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe, or maybe your version says obey, all that I have commanded, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age, all right? That is the way Matthew closes his gospel. That is the way Jesus sort of leaves his disciples on earth, right? This is really, really important. The last words, don't you think like if Jesus was here, And he was going to tell us one more thing before he left. 
that what he says would be pretty important, right? Like we would want to sort of cling to the words of Jesus. This is the way his followers are feeling. The last words of Jesus before he leaves and goes back to the Father, and he tells them here in, this, in these few verses what they are to be doing. And so what I want to do is I just want to kind of walk through the Great Commission, and I want to just highlight some of the words. I want us to kind of get on the same page about what this means, okay? Because it's really important um, that, that we, as followers of Jesus, get what it is God's asking us to do, okay? So the first word, the way the commission starts is with the word go, all right? Pretty big deal here, go. What that means is that you and I, we cannot accomplish what it is God has given us to do while we are on this earth if we are not willing to get outside the walls of the church and go to the people that God's placed around us, right? We cannot live this out if we are just kind of content to, I don't know, stay here, family of God, like kind of huddled together, uh, the church is a safe space. Like literally the commission starts with get out there, get out there. Um, in the first service, I, I said it like this. There's a lot of purposes to the church. If you read the New Testament, there's a lot of purposes to the church, but most of the purposes of the church are going to be done uh, in heaven better than we do them here, right? So let me give you an example. So worship. Worship is an important function of the church. Man, we love to come together and worship. There's just something that happens kind of in your soul when you're able to worship God. But listen, one day when we're in heaven, we're going to get to worship, right? Like if our only purpose was worship, then God has no reason to keep us here in this broken, fallen world. He would already take us to heaven to be with Jesus where we're going to be able to worship, right? Uh, another function of the church is community. We talk about community all the time. Man, it is vital for your spiritual growth and health that you be in community with other brothers and sisters in Christ. So we talk about it all the time. Man, get involved in a small group, a Bible study. Man, be a part of a church family because you need that. You need community in your life. But listen, if community was the only reason for the church, if it was the only reason God left us here, like one day community in heaven is going to be perfect we're going to have perfect community in heaven one day. You're, you're never going to argue with someone in your small group one day about theology anymore, right? I mean, it's going to be all, our community in heaven is going to be perfect. So if our only purpose was community, we, we wouldn't be here. Learning the Bible, learning about who God is and how God works, and that's an important part of the church. We teach. We're going to talk about that in a minute. We do this through our ministries. We do this through, our, our, again, our small groups, our Bible study. Teaching the Bible is important, but the Bible says that one day we are going to know fully even as we are fully known, which means one day we're going to know everything we need to know, right? So if our only purpose is to like learn some stuff, again, there's no reason for God to keep us here because one day we're going to be in heaven where we're going to know all the stuff we need to know. But the one thing Jesus asks us to do as his followers is to make other followers. And that's not something we're doing in heaven. That's the reason God has us here now, right? The reason God has us here now is because God has a big family and he wants his family even bigger. Like there's other people that he wants in the family of God. And so he's left us here as the church to do this very thing, to make other followers of his, right? And again, just a few more things about go. Um, in the Greek, this is an active command, okay? And so what that means is essentially the way you read it is as you are going, as you go, as you are going, be making disciples. So what that means is um, we don't just kind of wait for a mission trip to go make disciples somewhere. 
but as you live your life, right? As you interact with the people that God has around you, as you go to your jobs or go to your school, as you participate in your your hobbies of interest, as you interact with your family, as you live your life, be making disciples, right? Be making disciples. So that may mean, going may mean, you know, going across the street, getting to know your neighbor. We have something here called the neighbor challenge. We talk about Jesus said, love your neighbor. Like that's a great place to start. You may never fly overseas. You can start with your neighbor. Maybe investing in your community, in your city where God has placed you. Maybe it means you do hop on a plane or you do travel and go somewhere else, right? Like, but, but go can mean a lot of different things for you. That's, where, that's the way the commission starts. It starts with go. We cannot live out what God called us to live out if we're not willing to get outside the walls of the church, right? The second thing that I, that I highlighted here is, is the word make disciples. This is the main verb of the commission, okay? Make disciples. Now, I know that sounds very churchy, right? It sounds very churchy, make disciples, right? But it really, what that means is if you're a follower of Jesus, to make a disciple basically means that you help other people become followers of Jesus. That's all it means. You're a follower of Jesus. How can we help other people be followers of Jesus, okay? Now, some people want to sort of, uh, even Christians might try to avoid this commission by saying things like, well, listen, Jesus is clearly talking to his, his 12 right here, right? Like he's, he's talking to the apostles. He's talking to his disciples. And so clearly this commission is not for everybody, right? Uh, this is kind of for the, the spiritual religious professionals, right? The leaders in the church. Again, we have this idea that there's like varsity level Christian, and then most of us are kind of the JV freshman version of Christian, right? Anybody feel like that sometimes? I'm a pastor and I feel like that a lot, right? And so what that means is, listen, some of us have this idea that it's not for everyone, but the Bible's really clear. Like if you follow, there's no JV, varsity, there's like, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a disciple, right? And while we often read this and, and think Jesus is talking to his immediate disciples, the 12, there's actually a, a lot of scholars believe that um, when he is in Galilee having this discussion, that it was not just his 12 that were there. Jesus had more followers up in Galilee than he had down in Judea. Most of his ministry, miracles, was all from Galilee. Most of his disciples were from Galilee. They were far more receptive to his message in Galilee than down in Judea, where he was crucified, right? And so uh, most likely, again, this is three to four weeks after the resurrection, and the word about his resurrection had spread. You think the disciples kept that quiet? No way. Like they're talking to people. They'd gone back up to the north. Uh, a lot of them had kind of gone back to their, their, their jobs as fishermen. They're telling everybody, Jesus said to meet him in Galilee. So there's a lot of people that believe when Corinthians says Jesus appeared to more than 500 at the same time, there's a lot of scholars that believe it might have been this very occasion in Galilee on the side of a mountain, much like the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus gives his commission, yes, to his 12, but also to all the other followers he had up in Galilee. So again, this is just to kind of drive home the fact that this commission is not just for like pastors and leaders, but this commission is to anyone and everyone that considers themselves followers of Jesus, right? This is what you're to do. This is what you're to be about. This is the reason you're still on this earth, right? You may have different jobs. You may have different things that God has led you, called you to do. But at the end of the day, we're to be followers of Jesus who help other people be followers of Jesus, okay? Make disciples. The next word I highlighted in the, in the commission is all nations, all right? A really important part of the commission, all nations. Um, it has always been God's plan to love all people of the world. 
okay? Um, God so loved what? The world. That's, that's pretty all-encompassing, isn't it? The whole world, all right? Now, I know some people look at the Old Testament and go, well, seems like God chose some people, right? Seems like, uh, seems like the nation of Israel, the Hebrew people are God's chosen people. Well, you're right. They are. But do you remember why God chose them? God comes to a man named Abraham in Genesis 12 and says, man, I'm going to make a nation out of you. And then he goes on to say, and here's why, because through you, through this nation, all people of the world are going to be blessed. God's plan, even in the Old Testament, was that through his people, they would be a blessing. They would show the love and grace and kindness and goodness of God to the whole world. The problem is, of course, if you read the Old Testament, they, they didn't really live up to that, right? So Jesus comes, he dies on a cross for the sins of, again, the whole world for everybody. He calls a guy named Paul who takes the gospel then to the Gentiles, to the outsiders. And then he tells his followers like, hey, take this message to everyone. Everyone, the whole world. God has a heart for the nations, every nation, every tribe, every tongue. If you grew up with an understanding that like God's chosen, listen, it sounds real patriotic to say like America, you know, God's chosen nation. Sounds real patriotic. The problem is it's not real biblical, (laughs) right? It's just not there. It's not. God's chosen people are the church all over the world, the people that have placed their faith in him, okay? So God has a heart for all people, all nations of the world. God wants a really big, diverse family. That's what the Great Commission tells us, really big, diverse family. The next word that I highlighted there is the word baptizing. This morning, we're actually going to get to celebrate baptism. I love Baptism Sunday, right? Baptism is an indication that we are living out the Great Commission. Baptism, we have those that are going to be baptized today um, during all of our services. And they are here to let their church family and the whole world know that they have decided to be followers of Jesus. That's what baptism is. It's an outward sign of an inward decision that they have made in their heart. They're basically telling telling everyone that I know Jesus and I'm going to follow Jesus with my life. I have chosen to become a follower, a disciple of Christ. And it's an indication for us as the church that, again, that we're, that we're living this thing out. We're making disciples. Baptism is a picture of the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of our Lord. They are literally, those that are being baptized today, we said this in their class, and essentially they are helping preach the gospel today with their lives. And as a church family, later on when we get to respond with baptism, We want you to welcome them into the family of God. When they come up out of the water, we're going to cheer. We're going to be excited because we are welcoming these into God's really big, diverse family. That's what baptism is. And I'm excited to celebrate that here in a little bit. But man, Matthew includes baptizing because baptism is a sign that this commission, that people are beginning to follow Christ, that disciples are being made. We baptize them then in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You'll hear us talk about that. That's the way we baptize in the, tri- the triune God. I don't have time to kind of unpack the doctrine of the Trinity. It's this really big idea that'll make your head explode. One God, three persons, right? We baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then I, I underlined teaching them to observe or obey, okay? When someone believes in Christ and is baptized, that's not the end of their journey. Like that's not where it stops. That's where it starts, right? That's where it starts, And so there has to be some learning to follow Jesus. All of us are are in that journey somewhere, aren't we? We're all still learning to follow. We're learning how to be better disciples. This is what the church is about. The church is to be a place where we all learn to follow Jesus together. 
our ministries, as, as kids, students, college, as we grow up into adulthood, small groups, Bible studies, Sunday morning. It's about learning to follow Jesus together. When we place our faith in Christ, that's the beginning of our journey, not the end of it. And this is why healthy churches are so important. We don't want to just kind of fly around the world or go on a mission trip and get people saved and then like we're out. Man, we need healthy, vibrant churches so that disciples can be made. It's one of the reasons we're so big into church planting. We're actually right now, I don't know if you know this or not, but we have money every month that goes to help plant churches in Nepal. Help, we're helping churches in Peru. We're helping churches here in uh, the United States. We've got some plans for some new ones to get started uh, locally. Because if we're going to make disciples, if we're going to take this call seriously, we need healthy churches that help disciples get made, right? So we teach them to obey and observe. And then finally, Matthew ends this by saying, I am with you always. I love that. I love that. Because if we're going to live this thing out, guess what? Sometimes it's going to be a little discouraging. Sometimes it's not going to go the way you hope. We need to know that we are not alone in this endeavor. Matthew ends his gospel the same way he began his gospel, right? If you remember back in our Advent series, Matthew's gospel when Jesus comes as a baby in a manger, Matthew's the one gospel that, that calls his name Emmanuel, right? Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That's what Emmanuel means. So Matthew starts his gospel by saying, hey, God is literally with us. And then he ends his gospel by saying, God is still with us. He may have ascended back to the Father, but Jesus is with us. He, he ends the same way he began. Matthew wants you to know that Jesus is always with you, Right? Now, that's the commission. That's our marching orders, right? That's what we are to be about as long as we are on this earth with a heartbeat in our chest and breath in our lungs, right? Now, let me give you just a few things as we kind of wrap up that you're going to need if you're going to be able to do this, okay? Some things you're going to need in your, in your tool bag, so to speak, right? The first one of those things is this. You're going to need to love Jesus. That sounds like something your pastor's supposed to say, doesn't it? Well, duh, right? But, but listen, like... The reality is, if you don't passionately love Jesus, if you're not in love with Jesus, you're, you're never going to be someone that lives this out and makes disciples. It just won't be that important to you. If Jesus hasn't made a difference in your life, I don't know how you're going to ever talk to somebody about the difference he can make in theirs, right? The first thing you need to know is that you need to love Jesus. And I'll just be honest, as your pastor, I'll say this in love, but the problem some of us have with like sharing our faith or telling someone else about Jesus, it really isn't like an evangelism problem. It's not because we don't know enough. It's not because we need to memorize more verses. It's not because, you know, like I just, you know, I don't know what to say. Like for some of us, it's just that we just don't love Jesus enough, right? We just don't. We need... Man, we need to have our heart and our affection stirred for Christ that will motivate us then to do what he said. The second thing you need in your bag, the second the thing that you're going to need if you're going to live this out is you got to love people. You got to love people. Like, again, uh, some of us, it's just that we don't, we don't seem to care as much about the people around us. We just, we don't really care about their eternal destination enough to share with them. And so for some of us, man, it's not that we need to love God more, it's that we need to learn to love the people around us a little bit more, Right? You might remember a few pages earlier in Matthew, Jesus himself was asked, what's the most important commandment of all the commandments? What's most important? Jesus responds by saying, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus literally said the most important thing you can be doing is loving God and loving people, right? 
And you're, we're never going to be able to do this if we, don't, if we don't do that. The reason Jesus said those are most important is because you need both of those things if you're going to do what he's called you to do. You've got to love God. You've got to love people. The third thing that you need is we've got to be aware and available. Sounds really simple. We've got to be aware and available. Here's the thing I've learned about my own life. Maybe this is true of you as well. I often live life with a lot of tunnel vision, right? You know what I mean? I mean, I tend to focus on what I have going on, my calendar, my schedule, my family, my hopes, my dreams, my future. I think if we're honest, a lot of us can kind of live life with some tunnel vision. What have I got to do today? And we sort of walk through life like this, right? Focused on me and what I have going on. And if we're ever going to live this out, I think we have to broaden our horizons a little bit to be aware of the people that God places around us, the people that God has placed in our lives every single day. We've got to learn to look around and be aware of the opportunities that God's, God's put in front of us if we're going to live this out, right? We've got, to be, we've got to be aware. And then I want to just end with a couple of things that, um, just kind of how-to, real, kind, of, kind of simple things that we can do. I, I know a lot of people get really nervous when it comes to evangelism. When, when you hear the word evangelism, there's just something in you that's like, ugh. And you know why that is? Because it wasn't long ago when some some well-meaning but really misguided people, like particularly on TV, you got some people in some really nice attire with all their bling and their wives with really big hair asking you to send them money. Evangelists, right? We're not doing that here. I don't need a private helicopter. I prayed about it. I might. No, I'm just kidding. We don't, we're not doing that, right? Like we don't, I don't need you to send more money to Dave Ministries or nothing like that. Like evangelism is simply you helping someone else become a follower of Jesus. So I know that a lot of us hear that word and we're like, ugh, right? But, but that's what God asks us to do, is to help other people become followers of Jesus. And so to do this, well, there's a lot of different methods. There's a lot of different ways you can do that. In fact, you could probably do a Google search and find out a lot of different, some people like to use tracks. Some people like to use what's called the Romans Road. It's like a series of verses all in Romans you can talk to people about. Some people like to draw, there's like a, a diagram you can draw on a piece of paper and show someone. Like, there's a lot of different methods. They're not all, they're not wrong or bad or wicked or evil. They're, they're fine. But honestly, man, for me, the, 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 the most simple thing to do is number one, just, just talk to people about what Jesus has done for you. Right? Just has Jesus made a difference in your life? And if so, tell people that. If you read the New Testament, the Apostle Paul was a great evangelist. You know, you know how Paul told people about Jesus? He told his story. That's all he did. He's like, man, before Christ, I was, this, I was prideful. I was arrogant. I was all this stuff. I met Jesus. And, and guess what? Since I've known Jesus, my life is different, man. I've got joy and peace and hope. That's simply it. You just tell people what difference Christ has made in your life. Someone's like, man, why do you, my life's falling apart. Why do you seem, uh, you know, you've got some peace. You've got a little bit more hope. Like, man, let me just tell you about what Jesus has done for me. And then the second one I would tell you is this. Um, you, can, you can invite someone to church. That's a, that's a, like, everybody can do that. Invite someone to church. Now, some people, again, would tell you, well, that doesn't count. That's not the same thing as evangelism. And again, I, I would just say that, like, that's, that's something that we can all do. Now, we believe that if people come here, and, they, and they, they are a part of what we're doing regularly, they're going to hear the gospel. They're going to get around people that love Jesus. And ultimately, they're going to become disciples. So yeah, if you believe in that, inviting someone to church is a very simple thing that you can all do. And you know, if someone asks you a question you don't know the answer to, you know what you say? That's a really great question. I don't know. <laughs> like, that's okay. I'll, I'll find out. Or how about this? You want to come to church with me? Like, you can, I'll save you a seat. 
We got coffee, right? Like, you can, you can invite people to church. And, and again, it's just part of us remembering that why we're here, like worship is great and, and community is great and we need those things and we need knowledge and education, but the reason we're still here is because God has a really big family and there are people he wants to be a part of his family. So he's left us here to live out this great commission. And in order to do that, we gotta love Jesus. We gotta love people. And we gotta be aware, we gotta be available. Let's pray together. Father, we are grateful today for your love and your grace. We're grateful today, Jesus, for the cross. We're grateful, Jesus, that you accomplished your mission on earth. You accomplished your mission. You did everything that God the Father wanted you to do. And then, God, you left your followers with a really clear mission as well. And so, Father, I pray that we would, um, we would take your, your mission given to us very seriously, that we would take it seriously as a church, that we would take it seriously, God, as individuals, that we would be, God, just in love with you. I pray you would stir our affection for you today. I pray you would stir our affection for other people. God, I pray you would help us to be aware Help us to be aware of the people around us, God. Ultimately, Jesus, we're grateful that you've made a difference in our lives and we pray that you would help us to point other people to you and, and, and help other people be followers of yours because that's what you want us to do. We pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen.